0: If I accomplish something, that means something to me and that gives me joy. But if I enable someone else to accomplish something and they come back and surprise me with something that I wouldn't have thought of, it gives me even more joy.
1: Hey TEDx organizers, this is Jay Hirati and you're listening to Solving for X, our podcast for the TEDx community. Today, I'm talking with Dora Zvonjar. She's the organizer of TEDxTUM in Munich, Germany. Listen in as Dora and I discuss how organizers can set their teams up for success. Dora has a fascinating perspective on delegation that offers a new approach to leadership. She talks about how to avoid burnout and so much of her own personal development as an organizer was designed to preserve her own energy and capacity. I think you're going to find it both enjoyable and useful so let's jump right in dora welcome to solving for x
0: hi jay glad to be here
1: it's great to have you there's so much for us to talk about today i'm excited to feature an event from germany uh which is also a university event that's been going on for a while um so why don't we get started by hearing a little bit about your event, a little bit about TEDxTUM, a little bit about the event and its community.
0: Sure. So we're in Munich here, which is in the south of Germany. We're usually known for our beer festivals, so the Oktoberfest (laughs) is quite well known. It's also known for its culture and diversity, I would say. Um, And it's also home to several large universities. We're at the Technical University of Munich, TUM, so TEDxTUM or TEDxTUM, but it also calls itself the entrepreneurial university. So we're also quite business focused and transferring research to to business and to industry. So this is kind of the context. And we're quite large. So we're about, I don't know, probably twice the size of Harvard or something like that. It's like 40,000 mm-hmm. students. Wow. So it's quite big. And there's just a lot of exciting things going on here, which is... Great to host a TEDx event here with all you. Yeah, idiots. no,
1: and, and from what we've seen in uh, documents on the hub and pictures and videos, you're doing a phenomenal job of that, and we'll talk about that. Um, so, 40,000 students at a large university, you are uh, an educator there as well as, mm-hmm. I know you are a PhD. Did you get your PhD at the same university?
0: I did. I studied uh, computer science here, and I did my PhD in applied software engineering. And for me, the the primary motivation for the PhD has always been teaching. I wanted to teach in my field and become an educator. And this was the motivation for me, not so much the research.
1: And uh, before we dive into your style of organizing a TEDx event, uh, tell us a little bit about German culture when it comes to public speaking in your mind and in your experience, what is the culture in Germany about public speaking, um, ideas worth spreading?
0: So the cliche is of the typical German is that they don't like storytelling that much. They like to be precise and put things, you know, be, be exact in what they say. A lot of our speakers, about half of our speakers, I would say, are actually not German because the university is very, very international, which is why we also have our event in English because the community is very international. But I would say that especially with speakers from research and science, it's sometimes hard to... Sneak them away from this like normal way of communicating just about the facts and and give a couple examples, give a couple stories and to simplify also, because knowing so much about your field, you might think that it's oversimplified very fast and that you're just not being exact anymore. And we have to kind of find this fine line and having a couple of researchers and PhD students on the team helps with that because you have the kind of academic background to negotiate with these kinds of people.
1: Hmm. So one of the things we've observed when we looked at your work and how you manage your team and the things that you all do together as a team is that you really stand out as an organizer by approaching the challenge uh, through the lens of an educator. Somebody who works with their team or their students to create something by empowering the students to figure it out on their own and giving them the tools to do that. And that's With that kind of angle, I'd love to hear your story about how you organize your uh, TEDx events.
0: Sure. Um, Just to provide a little bit of context, I think we differ from many other school and university events in a couple of regards. One of them is that we're not supported by the university in any way. So we're allowed to carry the name, but they don't support us neither financially nor through Mm. any other channels. We get the venue from them, but that's it. The people who are on the team, who are from the faculty, they are not allowed to do this during their working hours. The students that are on the team are not allowed to have use this as a study project that they get graded on, which I know is the case for many university events. So our our team structure evolved over the past six years. And the first year, everyone did everything, um, and we just kind of ran around like headless chickens all the time. It was a, a lot more work, I think, than it needed to be. So in like the second year, we said, okay, we need to structure this somehow. And it evolved over time. But today we have several sub teams and these work independently from each other. So they're also very different in size. Our curation team has 12 members and our partnerships team has three. And they each have a team lead and the six team leads share responsibility for the whole event. So we meet at least once per month, we update each other, but other than that, the sub teams work independently. So I think a little bit of a challenge here is, that especially at the beginning, the whole team Everyone has to kind of get this collective baseline of information, which includes the rules, obviously, then what we have done in the past and how we want to build on that, our values and our tools and things like that. They get all of that in the beginning. We do um, a couple of overarching events for team building, for sharing information like this. This year we created an onboarding document It's clustered in weeks and every week they have about 20, 30 minutes of things to do, to look at. So for example, the first week they look at the TEDx rules and they look at the rules in detail for their sub team. And then we have fun tasks like they share the rule that is most surprising to them or the rule that is most confusing and they ask their fellow team members um, why that is. And then they have discussions online. And that works really well because people also kind of motivate each other to share. As soon as people start sharing, others will join in and even newer team members will kind of be vocal about it.
1: Mm. You've created a little curriculum to become onboarded, breaking it down and giving a little fun exercise so they can take in the information
0: yeah maybe a little bit it's also a way for us to kind of check if somebody has done the task um but it's a little bit (laughs) sneaky. again
1: like a teacher (laughs) like a good teacher
0: (laughs) and then they have um they always have um must-have things like checking the rules is a must-have thing and then in addition for example we give them one or two um podcast episodes that they can listen to if they want to on their own time so we kind of tried to create a mix of you have to do this the German exact way and also go play if you want to.
1: Interesting. And what kind of podcast do you put on there?
0: Well, this one, <laughs> Solving <laughs> for X, as well as um, a couple shorter videos, um, Chris Anderson's video on public speaking, things like this.
1: Fantastic. I know you have been incredible at sharing things on the TEDx hub and I'm going to give a plug to so many of the things that you've created there but is this particular document did you share that on the hub
0: I did I shared it this year and we also created an additional one for the curation team which contains much more because we drilled them I think very hard in the curation team um, so they have additional stuff to do um, but I shared both on the hub so you can share you can okay, good. And
1: anything else you do? I mean, it sounds like enough to me, but I'm just checking. Is there anything else you do to <laughs> get this, the team set up?
0: Um, we do a team weekend pretty early in the year, for which we go away just for two, three days. Last year, we went to the mountains, which was fun. This year, we just went to a castle near Munich that we could reach just by, by train. And we do some activities. We also do some actual brainstorming. So we brainstormed possible audience experiences for this year's theme, for example, um, just to get them working together also across teams and uh, getting to know each other. And we also have some fun free time activities. I was astonished at how well it worked just to for people to start liking each other yeah. um, and also knowing each other across teams. And also something that I noticed During my career as an educator, the more demanding you are in the beginning, the harder you drill them, the more motivated they will be throughout the year. It doesn't mean that we punish them if they don't do something, but we kind of implicitly communicate this internal value to be thorough in the very beginning. And they have a lot of work in the very beginning that they need to do on their own time. So they start taking it seriously.
1: Hmm. That's really interesting. So... Clearly a very well thought through process for getting the team ready. Um, Let's talk about how you work with your team to be so experimental and so creative. Talk about some of the things that you've done, maybe as examples, so that our audience Mm -hmm. knows what we're talking about, and then maybe take a step back and talk about how you've you've created that.
0: Yes, I'm so happy that this comes off this way, that we like to play and we like to experiment. I talked a lot about being strict and being demanding, but we also have so much fun. This team is a playground for each of us somehow to do something that we can't do in our day jobs, whether it's, you know, starring in a video or doing a a musical act uh, during the event. Mm. So this is, this is for me, I've just done so many things and I've had so many experiences just being on this team that it's, I've become a completely different person, Mm. but just to name a couple examples. So last year we did a salon event in the uh, Deutsches Museum. It's uh, one of the biggest uh, state owned museums here in Munich. It's huge. And we did a very nice salon in a special exhibit on nanotechnology. And it was an amazing venue, but they were doing construction. So it took people 15 minutes to walk there through the empty museum. You know, with all of its...
1: Right. Scaffolding and construction. Yeah.
0: Yeah and also just with the with the exhibit so we didn't want them to linger we wanted them to get there at a reasonable pace oh, I see. um and also not get annoyed because the first experience that you have should not be confusing so um our team just sat together and they kind of designed this scavenger hunt type thing where we had different stations so there's when you arrive at the event there's always different things that you need to do you want to check your code you want to get your badge you want to get your ticket checked and so on so we kind of just distributed them throughout the venue and we had team members standing from the the train station to the stage basically (laughs) just doing these things one by one and i think the last station was just a high five something like that Mm. Um, and it was very risky i think every venue has its challenge and every event has its challenge but it was totally worth it it was really
1: well received how did you go about finding this creative solution so you as a team you sat together and you're like oh crap, there is a 15-minute walk through a museum and we're going to lose people and then you came up with this fun thing. What, what's your process?
0: These problems are usually talked about in the team leads meetings, which is like six people uh, sitting together having food and wine, usually on a weeknight. Um, and then we, we talk about this problem and then each team lead looks at it from their own perspective. So for example, the, the brand and creative team lead, she will think about, okay, how do we want to represent ourselves to the outside or to the to the attendees and then the partnerships team lead thinks about how can we get people in contact with the partners early things like that and then we kind of make a first initial plan and then delegate it into one of the sub teams for them to carry it out so in that case it was the brand and creative team that did this instagram story with all the stations to walk people through it uh, step by step and they had balloons leading the way and all of that so they The fine details and the execution is then done in the sub-teams, but most of these big problems are solved by the team leads, And I think these these different perspectives are really key to also not making mistakes or just looking at one side of the problem.
1: Hmm. Okay. Give us another example of another innovation. Mm
0: -hmm. Last year, we had a speaker in a wheelchair on stage. Um, And it was actually also our German talk. It was two speakers doing the talk together. They were two young guys and they were good friends. One of them was in a wheelchair and they were talking about their kind of special bond and special friendship. And the talk was supposed to begin with the speaker um, rolling himself on stage in the wheelchair, falling over, and then his friend coming to lift him up. So this was supposed to be kind of a dramatic beginning of the talk. But the problem was that we didn't have a ramp. So the, the, the stage was actually not wheelchair friendly so then our team just went and built a ramp so we basically went on the internet and looked up how these things are supposed to be built what the kind of angle is supposed to be the material is supposed to be and we built a ramp ourselves and we donated it to the university Hmm. um and this is i think this is not so much an example of experimentation because this is not the kind of thing that you experiment with but um it's a good example of how people go beyond what they know, and beyond what they have already done, and are super willing to try something new to solve a problem. And this mm. is this is also one kind of experimentation, but maybe the less crazy, less playful kind. Um, but these things happen all the time. So we have a problem and we solve it, and we don't know how to do it before, but we just do it.
1: You spoke earlier about having fun and being (laughs) playful. And for each one of your members of your team, this is a place where you can really uh, play and grow. How do you get the fun part? Um, How do you create that part? It's easy to say, hard to do.
0: What I like to do is I like to go in at the beginning, uh, play a little bit the, the strict boss or strict team lead establish the rules and the boundaries um, then kind of help out when there's there's usually a couple problems in the beginning when people don't know each other yet and then just step back and watch and and watch what they create and watch the surprising things that come out of it so this is this is my favorite part actually right now what's happening right now because the team is on track and we're preparing for the main event and all the things they come up with now are my favorite part of the year every team lead does this in their team to, to a certain extent so We familiarize them with the rest of the TEDx universe also, where they can get a lot of ideas and get inspired. Um, We make them visit other TEDx events if they can. So we even have a a small travel grant where we support um, people visiting other TEDx events if they report back to our team um, what they liked and what they would improve. And then just see what they come up with.
1: It sounds like as As the lead organizer, you see your role as establishing the boundaries and the standards and having what you describe as discipline with clear goals, et cetera. But I also see, both in your in the way you talk about it and the way you smile when you talk about the fun stuff, that everybody on the team knows that as long as they do that stuff, as long as they do the the stuff that they're responsible to do, you love it when they experiment and have fun and laugh and when they do it you you know everybody knows that you and the team leads really love it and appreciate it It sounds like one of your core values and so it it creates the space for people to do the right thing and also to have a lot of fun
0: yeah for sure sounds about right (laughs) i think all of our team leads do that though so we're we like to be the first ones being uh, reliable and responding on time and doing things on time but we also like to be the ones jumping into the crazy activities just to make it easier for the rest to do it also. Right. Especially, you know, the- and, I,
1: and I see it. Um, some of your videos that you've uploaded to the TEDx Hub, I watched the one where you are introducing the TEDx tomb team and you are all in slow motion throwing different things at each other from whipped cream to confetti. And I've also watched the video, which is really impressive about your speaker experience video. Former speakers told us that having had their own TEDx talk, boosted their requests as a speaker and made great impressions on their resumes. Also, the angle of their smiles increased by five degrees on average. And and what I've observed is that A, it's really high quality. Literally, I looked at it and I'm like, wow, this is really good stuff. And B, it's really funny. There's like a lot of humor in it. It's tongue in cheek. It's warm. And so obviously, I think I think you've successfully managed to integrate both of these things.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm glad that comes across that way. It's what we aim for.
1: An important part of working with the team is the art of delegation, kind of uh, letting your team figure things out and, you know, do the right thing. Talk to us a little bit about how you've approached delegation on your team.
0: Sure, yeah. It's a story that I hold dear to my heart that I also documented on the Hub just because I think that so many other organizers have run into the same problem or will. It's that I took over the the team in the second year um, along with a colleague. And then I was responsible for more and more things. The team grew. We scaled the event. We became more professional. We doubled down on everything. Um, And then it just quickly became too much for me on top of my day job, on top of my life. And it, just, it was just becoming impossible to be responsible for almost everything on my own. And um, it was also a very hard time for me. I just also wasn't having fun anymore. Um, mm. And I just completely burned out. But it also wasn't really possible to delegate. Because every time I would give someone a task, they would feel like they need to ask me every step of the way. Just to ensure that they're doing the right thing. So for me, the only option was to retire. At least I temporarily, but I kept that part secret. So I, I, I told them that I'm going to retire and we're looking for six team leads who are going to share the responsibility. And we recruited six new team leads. They were all new in that year. And they they had to figure things out. And I, I think it was pretty hard. So I was still available for questions and I was still there, but I made it very clear that I'm not taking on any responsibility. And they managed I think the event that year did not grow in quality that much, but it grew so much more substantially in quality every year since then because their team leads stayed on. They are becoming incredibly good at their jobs. They're just, there's just more people doing the work and sharing the work and sharing the responsibility, and that's really great. And the best part is that I got to come back the year after as a team lead even, but I finally had time and energy to dedicate all my time to curation which is what I enjoyed most but what I did not have time to do before because there were so many other things to do so now I get to do what I enjoy most and there's very capable people doing the rest for me that's a really successful ending because I didn't really believe that this was possible I didn't believe that I was replaceable so I just left (laughs) And it was very risky and it also hurt a lot in the first kind of couple months when you see people doing things differently and not being in control anymore. But it was totally worth it. And I would encourage every organizer to make themselves replaceable to some extent at least and not not do it all on their own.
1: Wow, that was very powerful. I think both for the challenge and the importance of delegating, uh, I would say probably in, in all of our work, in the workplace in general, but especially for TEDx organizers. Because like you say, you want to control everything, you want to do everything right, but that's what gets you to burn out. And um, many TEDx organizers, as you say, deal with that. Um, and what, what was interesting about what you said is that delegation, once you've mastered it, which sounds like you have, it has, the, it has two big benefits. One is for you, you're having more fun, and you get to focus on what you love to do. And the other one is that your team is team members are more engaged. They stay longer because you've given them more freedom. They don't necessarily like it when you tell them exactly how to do everything. Um, so it sounds. Well, I guess you said earlier that you've really grown and changed th- through the process, and I can imagine that this area is one of those.
0: Yeah, I just realized this, like a couple years after this change, how much that meant. Because it's your baby, right? So you don't want to let go of it because you've built it and you're incredibly afraid of it going wrong or being worse than before and it being your responsibility or your fault. But most of the time, I don't think that happens.
1: Hmm. That's beautiful. So... One of the other things that we really appreciate about you is the amount of contributions that you make to the TEDx Hub. but I am not just saying contributions. I mean, they are real contributions. You write insights <laughs> and blog posts and share videos and share documents uh, in such a, a phenomenal way. Obviously, for anybody who's listening and interested, just go to the TEDx Hub and look under TEDxTUM, T-U-M. T-U-M. Why do you do it (laughs) like what inspires you to do it? I mean, we really appreciate it, but um, it's a lot of work and uh, what's behind it.
0: So I think there's several reasons. One of them is what I just mentioned, making myself replaceable. Part of that is documenting what we do and how we do it to enable the next team leads or the next teams, should I ever leave the team um, to to replicate that quite easily and to not start from scratch Um, that. Also, sometimes it's just pride. So I get to share all the, the work that the team does. It's not even me most of the time, but I get to wrap it up in a story and share it and say to the world, you know, look at what we're doing. Look at the, the amazing things that the team has created. Um, and it's also, I think it's just, just from being an educator, I just realize how important it is to, to give people material to learn from. I, I don't know. it's it's fun for me. And when you say I share a lot, I would like to share much more. I have like 10 ideas for things that I that I want to put on there, but but I, I just can't find the time next to you know life and organizing the actual mm. event. but I, I I want to do more.
1: Well, you've done a lot. If you do more, we'll be here <laughs> and and happy to receive it. and I know TEDx organizers uh, would appreciate that as well. You've said something earlier about, wanting to work with people and wanting to empower people to do things that they didn't believe they were capable of doing before that. Can you elaborate a little bit more about that?
0: If I accomplish something, that means something to me and that gives me joy. But if I enable someone else to accomplish something and they come back and surprise me with something that I wouldn't have thought of, it gives me even more joy. So Mm. this is... Just just seeing how they come up with the idea of having the team throw stuff at each other, which does not particularly make any rational sense, but it was a lot of fun. I don't know, but it's just great to see every year. So that's really cool.
1: That is really cool.
0: And I also learned so many things. So just having to being in charge and having to do that. I learned how to host the event. I learned um, speaker coaching and talk development, and I'm doing that professionally now, also, I learned, I just developed all of these skills, not even noticing just by doing what what I do for, for yeah. TEDx, just playfully kind of. So that's also a, a big plus.
1: Yeah. Well, Dora, I hope you keep doing what you're doing uh, for a long time and we'll have you as a member of our community for... Many years or until the time when you're ready to uh, to move on. Uh, but it sounds like uh, you're still having a lot of fun. It sounds like you're growing your team and your people and doing a lot for your university and for the people of Munich. So thanks for coming to Solving Forex X to share all this with us and with the TEDx community. And uh, I guess we'll see you on the hub, right?
0: <laughs> no, for sure.
1: Thank you very much, Dora. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Solving for X. Join us on the TEDx Hub to find additional resources on this topic. You can also share your insights or ask questions. This episode was produced with love by Bianca de Jesus, recorded by Taylor Stemley, and researched by Svetlana Deneva. This episode was edited by Mickey Kapper. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to the Solving for X channel wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play, or of course on the TEDx Hub. Thank you for listening to Solving for X. See you next time.